Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about House of Gucci and joining me to talk about this one, I'd like to think of her as both an ethical and a fair person. It's Kayla Stetzel. Hi, happy to be here. I'm very happy to have Kayla here. She is the only person I know that saw A Star is Born in theaters more than I did. So I think it's it's, it's only right that she's here to talk correct. about, uh, to, to talk about, I saw it four times and you saw it five, right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah. So I think it, it's only right that she's here to talk about uh, Lady Gaga's uh, follow-up to uh, A Star is Born. And House of Gucci is the second movie in just a few months to be uh, released from uh, Ridley Scott. It tells kind of the story of the, uh, I don't want to say the rise and fall of the Gucci family because we kind of pick up when they're already, you know, at the probably at the height of their powers. And it kind of, so I, I should more say the fall. Um, but uh, Lady Gaga plays uh, Patrizia Reggiana, who at the beginning of the film is uh, working as an office manager of sorts for her father's trucking business. She aspires to more in life. So her interest is piqued when she happens to meet a uh, seemingly shy guy at a party who just happens to be uh, Maurizio Gucci, who is the uh, son of Rodolfo Gucci, who had a uh, 50% stake in the Gucci brand. And this was in the late 70s. They, they fall in love and uh, Rodolfo kind of eyes Patricia, someone that might just be after Mauricio for his money. And he temporarily, uh, you know, disinherits him from the family. But, you know, uh, Patricia and Mauricio end up, you know, getting uh, kind of brought back into the fold by Rodolfo's brother, Aldo, who's played by Al Pacino. She mentioned Rodolfo is played by Jeremy Irons, who honestly, I, I might actually, he might be the only one who I have some accent issues with, but we'll get into all that. Um, <laughs> again, Aldo is played by Al Pacino. His son, uh, Paulo, is played by Jared Leto in just uh, one of the most divisive performances you'll see at the movies all year. Paulo is kind of a just a, you know, just a just a mess of a person, a, a complete doofus, an idiot. Uh, he's described every alt, every someone looked up uh, idiot in the thesaurus and he gets called just about every version of whatever else you could find for idiot this whole movie. Because of that, Aldo is concerned and they, they need someone else to actually, you know, pass the business on to so he's like well if you're if you're just gonna you know ignore your son like uh rodolfo i'll bring him back into the fold and we see as patrizia uh kind of gets a gets gets a look at this life uh she helps um kind of push Maurizio into scheming to get more control of the company and uh all those machinations ultimately kind of lead to their downfall and a very tragic ending uh that we'll get to Kayla, we've been excited about this movie for a very long time. The word started leaking out about it, and maybe our expectations went from somewhere like this is going to be amazing to like this might just be an amazing disaster. Uh, maybe it's not going to uh, win all the Oscars, but we'll have a lot of fun. I mean, I think there is a whole rush of emotions going into this, and I'm kind of curious, did it meet your expectations in every way, both good and bad? Uh, well, that's a loaded question. Sure. Fairly certain almost nothing meets my expectations in every way. (laughs) But I will say, like, I had medium expectations going in. I mean, I was very excited, but the flavor and tone of the movie, like from the trailer, like I could not tell if it was going to be a great Hollywood classic, like, intense gunslinger classic line type of movie or if it's gonna just be you know campy wild wacky and it ended up being definitely more in the campy wacky you know end of the spectrum uh was it as polished as I wanted it to be no were the performances as strong as I I wanted them to be also kind of no I don't know I don't know but I I saw it twice and the second time around I actually enjoyed it more interesting Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple different things that I was concerned about from the, from the outset, you know, with this film. And first of all, first and foremost, disclaimer, I'm a Lady Gaga apologist. Mm. Like she is, I'm a stan. I've been to all the concert. I've done all the stuff like a little monster through and through. Right. So she can. Wait, is that, is that the name for her fans? I didn't know that. Yes. Little monsters. You heard it here first, folks. It's if not first. I feel like Josh is just living under a rock, but yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. That is that is the name of a fan base. But uh, even though I'm this huge Lady Gaga fan, the moment I heard her accent in the trailer, I was like, "Sweetie, I love you," but like, what is that? Is that Russian? What is happening here? But I will say, she whatever accent it was, she resided in it very comfortably. So I was sure. kind of 
to, to tune it out, you know, because it was just like, okay, whatever she's doing vocally with her voice, not Italian, but she's consistent. So this is fine. I'm going to just get used to it and it, it won't bother me that much. There was times where she fell out of it where I was like, oh, mm, okay. Because every now and then I'd be like, okay, more Italian. Now we're, now we're leaning more towards Russian. I don't know. But either way, incredible performance emotionally, like physically, she did a lot. So very good. Just the accent already concerned, already concerned out the gate. So that was kind of my expectations going in. Well, so like, I mean, but like, at least that was one big concern that was kind of assuaged because it sounds like you just found her performance overall to be very strong, which I think is honestly the, the the beating heart of the movie, if nothing else. Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga together, plus fucking Al Pacino, like my guy, the guy invented acting, like his performance, the three of those and the three of those people alone, sorry, Jared Leto, like held <laughs> the movie together, right? Um, I have a lot of gripes with Jared Leto's performance. Uh, mostly, um, yeah, he did have a lot of prosthetics. Whoa, a transformation. Oh my God, he does so many of those. But my issue with him is it's like he was acting. He wasn't in the movie. He was in his own world and everybody else was, you know, flamboyant, but within reason, like within reasonable limits or acting very strongly. And then, you know, they'd ask him a simple question like, oh, what do you think about these designs? Next thing you know, Jared Leto is taking it up like three octaves. To fly like a pigeon. Weird lines like, I know the difference between chocolate and poop. Like, what? He almost sounds like Mario. Like, it was just so, like, I get that this character was supposed to be flamboyant, dumb, insane, eccentric. But it was so off the wall and so not the tone of everybody else that it just like stank up the whole movie screen when he was on it, right? Oh. <laughs> At least in my opinion. At least in my opinion. What's well, funny, like that, I, I, I want to work backwards to the beginning of your uh, evaluation there and get and, and go back to the Leto. Cause I mean, like, I, I, I'd be very disappointed if he gets nominated for an Oscar. And it seems like he might have as much juice as anyone aside from Gaga, who I think has like comes out of this the cleanest. Uh, and might actually legitimately, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't be undeserving, but it seems like she actually does have a chance to get her uh, second consecutive best actress nomination. But, you know, you, you made the comment earlier about like it, uh, how it could have been two different kinds of movies and it like formed towards the latter campier side, as opposed to being just the, uh, you know, uh, more polished version of something like this. And I, my, my, my big takeaway though, was I thought it like missed an opportunity to be both at the same time. And, you know, it's, it clearly wants above all else with all these ridiculous characters and all, it's very clear. It wants to, it wants to tell a movie about like the corrupting nature of like having this kind of money and power. And I, I agree with you, like uh, Adam driver and Lady Gaga giving the two best performances. And I think uh, my, my initial reaction was like, Oh yeah. It's like, it like wants to like, kind of just kind of show through Patrizia, just like, you know, how, like how, how bad it is. Like once you get your hands on all this money and what, what it can do to you. But I actually think it's trying to actually tell that story through Maurizio more so than her. And it's, whereas it's implying this might've always been her all along. He's the one that goes through a change. Uh, but I don't actually know if it really, I, I think the the second half of this movie is too much of a mess, like with the way it's edited and what parts of the, like, it, there's this certain, it very clearly feels like a lot got left on the cutting room floor and that they're just like little gaps here and there that I think would have like really, really helped you like kind of bring home what was going through Mauricio's head, like the entire second half of this movie. Uh, whereas like their marriage falls apart in like two scenes. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's very strange. And they, they imply that and we, we see why that might be the case is in so much as she, we see her suggesting to him that he needs to make these moves to actually take control of the company and not let it like kind of fall off. And then he gets mad at her because he might have she might have caused some fissures within the family. And he doesn't like that. And he, he blames her for that. And as much as there might be some truth in that, the actions he takes after he gets after he separates from her don't really align with that being his actual concern. After there, there's a and we're not doing a spoiler section for this. People can go see the movie. I, I kind of just want to talk about the end. But, you know, it's kind of implied like, oh, like. He just like he got gets rid of her and then he's just going to kind of go on a spending spree and he gets a new girlfriend. Uh, and like if you I, I did read up on that a little bit, and it sounds like he might have actually been uh, cheating on Patrizia with. And this is really confusing that his, his new girl, his, his new girlfriend, her name is Paola, 
as opposed to like Paolo, which I guess is the Jared Leto character. Yeah. But 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 I think it would have helped if like we had actually maybe like seen that like infidelity like a little sooner to like understand more of what was motivating him and what what kind of led him to be the kind of guy that would be comfortable like posing for magazine shoots like he was at the towards the end. I'm like I I didn't feel like I actually saw that in like what they decided to show us, and I think that was kind of like my biggest overall frustration with this movie and that I agree with you that I thought Adam driver is giving a great performance. Lady Gaga is like giving a great performance. And I think the filmmakers might've kind of let them down in how they like told the story of like the crashing of this marriage. And that was my biggest disappointment because it, it has great performances and it is a lot of fun for a lot of the movie, but I don't really think it, I think it had an opportunity to like actually like tell a more coherent story about some interesting themes that these great performance would have, would have been in service of. And it just, it, it doesn't come together for me. I don't know if you kind of felt that way. I mean, again, I, it seems like we're kind of in agreement on these performances, but did you particularly like find any one half of this movie stronger than the other? Well, it's interesting that you, you divide it into two sections. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt the editing was not strong the entire film. Mm. And I think that along with some of the writing of course, I don't know how much was ad-libbed. So I, it might yeah. not be in the script. But definitely the editing really impacted the tone. And at times it was jarring, at least for me, even at the the outset of the film, right? Like it felt like the pace was a little off and, you know, it would just kind of, the moment an actor would be done speaking and kind of trailing off, it would smash cut to a new scene. Just there was something weird and a little bit jarring about the timing. But I, I will say one thing that drove me crazy both times, both times I saw this movie, is there is a really emotional scene, but it's completely blasted over with the loudest soundtrack music you've ever heard. Mm. So the first instance that I can think of is during the we- the wedding scene, right? It's supposed to be like a really tender moment. That, like there's some vows. Like, it's like an extended scene, right? Oh, right. What song do they play? They play like a more modern song, right? Or like a, a instrumental yeah. version of a more modern song? No, it was just George Michael's Freedom, right? It was oh. George Michael's something. <laughs> Yeah. Lasting, and then like there was another time, a little bit later, when um, Patrizia announces she's pregnant, and they're mm-hmm. having this like tender moment. They're literally still like in the beginnings of their hug. Smack, like I mean, instantly the eurythmics here comes mm. the rain again, just comes blaring in about a, like thirty seconds too soon before they smash cut to New York, and it's like okay if you're trying to like build the sentiment and make this little like gritty or like emotional or like give some pathos blasting tunes over top. Don't know if that's effective. Maybe it's campy, but like make up the mind about the tonal quality you want this movie to have, you know? Cause I do feel like there was a major tonal shift in the movie beginning and end, but I think that's because it plays out kind of like a romantic comedy with some bite at the beginning. And then like a, you know, Almost like, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Silver Linings Playbook. Who directed uh, that? Uh, David O. Russell. Like there was a flavor of like dysfunctional family fighting sure. element, all of David O. Russell, you know, um, second half. But I think overall editing choices with like both with, with what they choose to show and like how it was cut and some sound design choices where I was like, okay, like. This this is kind of how the, the bag was fully fumbled. Still, entertaining movie. Great, great top quality acting. Uh, Cyber Jared Leto. Um, but again, like the choices was kind of confused by. It's still a journey. It's a ride. Like just strap in and let it take you. But yeah, I feel like it could have been a, like a great, great movie had it been, you know, cut a little differently. It got, it started, I, I believe, Production began February of 2021. So they cranked this movie out during a pandemic, which is part of the reason why I was like, okay, I I can see how this maybe was a rush job. Also, Ridley Scott, what are you doing? You also made like, was it the last duel this year? Or like, I don't know. I don't know when these things were filmed, but like he was just kind of banging out movies for a little bit. Um, So maybe some of that is just like, a desire to get these movies out quickly in time for award season. I don't know. We can speculate. Well, the, the, the yeah. last duel, uh, that, that one was filmed in mostly pre COVID. I think they had to do some, they, had, they, like they, like they started in February, 2020 and like got a month in and then they had to like 
kind of do the rest uh, last fall. And then I guess he took a few months off to, I don't know, finish editing that and then started Gucci. So they, 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 they're a little different in like their, in their production schedules, I would say, but I, I think it just shows that they did, they wanted to rush it out for this award season, if nothing else. And I think that could, you could, I mean, it's the same editor. Did you see the last tool? No. Oh, I think you'd actually like it. What I kept talking about with people like, or I saw other people write about was like, everyone kind of had the same reaction. Like they went in with really low expectations and then we're like, oh, wow, this is like actually good. Like I did not think I was going to enjoy it at all. And it might be in my top 10 for the year so far. And like, and like, and that movie is like edited together brilliantly, um, which is like, and it's the same editor. And so like, I think this, and like she works with Ridley Scott and a lot of his stuff. And I, so it's it's clear that she's a good editor uh, when in a lot of different instances. And I think this seems like just a little bit of a rush job because they're like, oh, people are going to be really excited about this. And uh, we don't want to sit on it for that long to wait for the 2023 Oscars. So it's just let's just get this out there. And yeah. uh, I, I I just think that they're, 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 I'm sure they had a lot of material they didn't use as any movie does. And I think they just, they had to make choices. And I don't know if they just like all totally work. Though I like your point about the David O. Russell thing in that like, I, I who knows exactly what they, what all they had to cut. There's, there's really only a few scenes though that have a lot of the family together, uh, especially once things like start going badly. I mean, there's like, uh, one of the scenes like in the living room, I don't remember what, what all they're talking about in there, but there's one like where they are at Aldo's house with uh, Rodolfo and his wife and Patricio Maurizio. And there's like, yeah. a- after that one scene, I'm, 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 I'm forgetting exactly what was discussed. The heritage of the family, the history of Gucci. Right. Is, we're special, etc. Yeah. And, and Paul was making statements about how like, yeah. you know, he, he needs to play a bigger part in it and all that. And no one's taking him seriously and all that. And after that, I don't think there's a moment where they're all in the same place. Uh, you know, you see them kind of going, you, you see scenes with people in isolation that are really good. Like the scene where uh, the scene where Patrizia has to go talk to Paolo is like, I mean, your feelings about Jared Leto aside, it is fun watching Lady Gaga interact with him there. Right. Yeah. And, and I also think it's because she can bring the level of camp mm-hmm. up that kind of meets Jared Leto, but like still, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Father's in the house of Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a good scene. And um, uh, I mean, there's the one where, I mean, but after, aside from that, like there's, and, and there's when they go to New York with Aldo and there's a scene where Aldo like tells them like uh, when, when they're talking about the rip off bags and he's like, Oh, you need to like, kind of go by what I say. Uh, I, I, you you really only have because of me. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. It's supposed to kind of like foreshadow, like, you know, some discomfort to come, but everything else, like from that point on is just like kind of scheming done with and people with people in different rooms. And maybe that affects the energy of the movie a little bit. And that it, it would have been more fun to kind of watch these people bounce off each other more. And like they might in a David O. Russell movie. And instead you're just kind of getting, you're just getting hints of that kind of stuff from that point forth everything else is just kind of like one person goes to another person, asks them to do something. And those scenes can be fun in isolation, but yeah, maybe that's part of why the second half of the movie uh, doesn't necessarily have the same level of energy. I hadn't necessarily thought about that. So you brought it up, but when you kind of think about other kind of movies that this could be like, uh, yeah, that's, it seems like there's a little bit of missed opportunity there, especially when this movie's like two hours and 40 minutes, like they had more than enough time to like, you know, have scenes like that if they wanted to and like cut from elsewhere, I think you would know. I don't know. I mean, I think- one of the strongest scenes that felt the most like a David O. Russell film for me, and we got kind of close to a whole family reunion minus Patrizia, was at the negotiation table mm-hmm. um, with the the potential buyers. Um, who's it's like what the company name? I can't. Investcore. Yes, and uh, Al Pacino's there. Follows there. Jared Leto. And it's this really intense negotiation with like a shoe question. And he kind of cracks the code, like something's going on, like who's behind this? Enter, you know, Maurizio, Adam Driver, and then, you know, shit hits the fan. Beautiful scene. I think that was one of the more intense scenes and the tone felt serious there, which I enjoyed. Um, And that's kind of where I made that mental connection with a David or Russell, because there's a like a flavor there that I don't know if it was just people yelling at each other using their hands, but something about it just you know gave me a little bit of a flashback to like American Hustle. Well, I mean, I, I think a big part of that also is Al Pacino, and you already praised him a little bit earlier, and I think I think it's really cool because I do think he like is 
very, very good in this movie. And he was very good in the Irishman two years ago also. And whereas like he hadn't, no one had really taken him very seriously in a movie for quite some time before that. Uh, He did this movie in like 2014, Danny Collins about this aging musician that I actually thought was pretty good. But I mean, aside from that, just uh, any like pops up in once upon a time in Hollywood and like basically what amounts to a cameo beyond that, like had just had, had, he hadn't been nominated for an Oscar in like for like 27 years or something before, uh, uh, before the Irishman. So it's just kind of cool to see him like still bringing it as he's like, I think he might might maybe just turn 80 years old or he's close to Mm -hmm. it, like right in that range. Uh, so that was really cool. And it was fun to see how he like, he kind of gra- grasped the gravity of that situation as to what was going on in that scene. As soon as he kind of sees the shoe, it's like, there's just a lot going through his mind there and he's putting the dots together and he has to, you know, uh, just kind of see like, Oh man, I, I'm now I'm just realizing that my nephew who I took under my wing has been around this the whole time. It's like, I mean, not that he's like, not that we're led to believe any of these people are good people, but you, I think it's such a good performance. You actually kind of feel for him in that moment, you know? Yeah. And it's the first time you see his actual expertise, right? Um, he's like, look, look under the sole of the shoe. Like he knows what he's doing, which I kind of like seeing that because you forget like, oh, actually, no, these people are actually maybe good at their jobs. Like maybe there's a reason they made a bunch of money aside from being a brand Cheat, of blood and, like, and cheating And cheating on their taxes. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little, you know, um, but yeah, it was just, it was an interesting scene for sure. Yeah, well, it it also stood out to me because that was my other big part about the issue about the movie though is that like I thought it had a chance to you know uh, be pretty fun and how it told its like uh, the corporate espionage uh, palace intrigue side of this story and I I thought it got a little lost in that regard because a very key figure in this movie also is Domenico De Sol who is played by Jack Houston he is kind of like a longtime confidant of like uh of the gucci even before Maurizio uh enters into the fold and then he's kind of there with Maurizio for a lot of this and uh and, and another point there I, th- I think there's another good scene where like uh lady gaga is like kind of asking him about his um about what his role is in the company and what he sees it as because he's not actually a gucci and you know a couple of the more tense moments in the movie are where people tell patricia she's not actually a gucci uh, but like he really isn't and uh but he still sees himself as like this kind of caretaker of the family but I had a little trouble following exactly what his motivations were up until the end, even though I liked the performance because there's a more pivotal role where uh, they reconcile when Rodolfo is about to succumb to uh, his cancer and we see him like say, oh, okay, I'm going to bring you back in Maurizio, but he doesn't like sign over all of his shares. So, you know, if they were going to, if he was going to inherit them, he's going to have to pay an inheritance tax because he like in, in theory should have just like given this stuff to him beforehand, like a, like a, like a good rich person should to like be able to pass their wealth down generationally. And he fails to do so. And uh, th- there's this empty signature box and then the movie just kind of doesn't discuss it for a while. I even leaned over to my mom and was like, wasn't that kind yeah. of a big deal? Like, uh, we're we going to go back to that. And they do come back to it, but like it's, it's Dominico that brings this to Patrizia and Maurizio's attention. And it's just the three of them in a room. And so it's clear that like, the only person that would like even know to tell the authorities about this would be Dominico. And they raid their house at some point. And then uh, Patricio and Maurizio, after that happened, they escaped to Switzerland for a while. And it's just like never really picked up again. And yes, that was all very unclear. (laughs) Plus I don't think, I can't remember. I believe it was just a conversation between Dominico and Patricia. I don't even think Adam driver was there at the same time so like I remember being like generally confused as to what was going on also they brought the signature like years later like years later and I was like okay well yeah like well that's the thing yeah you're right uh Mauricio's gone when uh Patricia and Dominico talk about it and Dominico's like I'm like is he playing dumb there like how does he not know he saw the blank thing he has to know if they didn't have to pay billions of dollars in inheritance tax he has to know they forged it and he's just like acting like he doesn't know, maybe to like give himself plausible deniability in case there's anyone listening in the other room. I don't know. He acts like he doesn't really know where that's from. But at the same time, like someone had to have ratted them out to the cops. But it's not like he's like working against their interests after that. Like it seems like he's actually just aligns himself with Maurizio after that. And uh, but but before eventually like kind of not aligning himself with him anymore. And I'm like, what was his aim this whole time? Like, did he like snitch about the signature, which wasn't even followed up with the beginning? Like, no, it's not known how the authorities got placated or what they thought that signature was. And, but like, I'm led to believe that like Dominico is the only one that could have said anything about it, but 
he we're then we're led to believe he supports Mauricio wholeheartedly until Mauricio proves himself to be a terrible actual day-to-day manager of the company who just blows his money on all this stupid shit and they're take the, the brand's losing 30 million a year. So I did not fully understand all these power moves that were being made beyond the fact that like Mauricio is trying to like get his family out of the company even after uh Patrizia is out of the picture. And that, like we said, does amount to that one good scene where they're trying to get Aldo to to, uh, to sell. But beyond that, I did I, I don't think a lot of these like uh moves the company was making like really make all that much sense. Uh nor does like the fact that like uh I don't I I think I thought it would have been interesting to maybe see why Maurizio wasn't a good manager. Like yeah if you but if you spend three million dollars on a car and ten million dollars on a house like that's maybe and, and run it through the company like that's not good. That's like, um, that's kind of embezzlement possibly. Like it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of things, but it wouldn't necessarily amount to them losing $30 million a year when we're led to believe that the company has done like very well creatively under Tom Ford. It's like, like we're, we're, we're told the whole movie that, uh, Patricio is very smart. He's a lawyer. He's all these things. Like, so then why was he bad at it? Like, or did he, did he, did he buy that much stupid shit? Like, I, I just don't, to the point where they wanted to kick him out. Like, I just don't think the movie, you know, necessarily explained all of that that well and why the company like went in the direction it did. Did you have any feelings on that? Or, I mean, I know you said you were kind of with me on being a little confused about the whole signature thing, but did that, did any yeah. of that bother you or like it bothered me? The signature thing did bother yeah. me. Um, and first and foremost, as a future lawyer and speaking to a lawyer myself, <laughs> There's many very stupid lawyers who exist. So I don't know if that makes that, more That's sense. a fair point. That's a fair point. Clearly. But what I will say is like, I, I believe they did an okay job of explaining why Maurizio sucked as a manager, which is he cut a lot of the Gucci product lines. He cut a lot of like what was called like knickknacks by Maurizio, which is like the less expensive goods that were sold in airports, malls, etc. So he got rid of a lot of like profitable cash cow Oh, I might have misunderstood them in that final yeah. meeting. I thought they were telling him that, that he needed to get rid of that. They were mad that he had gotten rid of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. When he was like my uncle's knickknacks, I thought they were saying like, I thought they were listing those as the things that were losing money. I That that, that would also make sense though. Okay. I mean, like that's why they lost money is because they cut yeah. those product lines. And like, that was part of Maurizio's vision of like, okay, we got to like totally rebrand, hit refresh, slash these product lines out get a new designer, which he did do. So it does, it does kind of suck, right? Um, because he did successfully find Tom Ford, who mm. saved the brand, also is just a fabulous, you know, name in fashion now on his own. With his right, own. right. But uh, I think just the turnaround, you know, the cost of turning that around was just too steep. Add his ludicrous spending, Mm -hmm. when he's kind of gallivanting around um and i probably would say like "Mm, we're approaching like borderline embezzlement maybe like (laughs) level of crazy spending so i I kind of get why they maybe just wanted him out you know like i kind of understand it but maybe it was a dick move who's to say um but he he ended up getting shot which sucks so i don't know um (laughs) yeah Patrizia kind of disappears for the second half of this movie. I mean, and I think it, it, that as much as we're talking about like this, not having like these big family scenes that they could have had. I think that, I think that as much as anything, maybe like has something to do with the movie lacking energy. It's like, she's yeah. giving the best, most dynamic performance in this movie. And then she's gone though. Again, they're trying to kind of focus on what happens to the brand. And if she was off kind of doing her own thing after the, he divorced her, then maybe that was inevitable that the movie was going to have less of her there. Or did you like see like a missed opportunity in how the movie handled her in the second half of the movie based on like, maybe you could have shown some depicted what her life was like a little differently than just kind of like hanging out with Selma Hayek in a spa. Yes. So I do think we missed a lot of the snapping. I wanted more snap. I wanted more psychotic break. Mm. I mean, there's that scene where she's in the bathtub and you can see the whites around her eyes. Like she's clearly not having a good time you know, just feel intense but we literally go from you know i love you what like take me back i'm sobbing at your doorstep to a few beats later she's leaving and seeing voice mouth being like i will kill you blah, 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 like crazy shit so i want something in the middle i want to see more of the you know um gone girl i'm gonna you know you know, just Maleficent, insane, broad action. Right. You could fit more in there. 
and she's also been the person we've been following around the most so you really feel her absence when she's not there because I think for the first chunk of the film you're really watching her I mean she opens the movie etc and then she's kind of gone for a while you know Paula the woman comes in <laughs> um, but yeah and then back to Selma Hayek um I have some theories about her that we briefly touched on before we started recording um her character her character Pina the the telephone psychic I don't know how to feel about kind of feels like she was just thrown in there yes it was an important character because this was a real person that existed but I very much feel like Selma was only cast because she's currently married to like the owner of Gucci mm. That's just my my running theory. I don't really know. Um, they did not do a very good job of establishing that character because one scene, she's on TV. They don't even know each other. The next thing, her and Dagar buddy buddy in a mud bath. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Um, so that was like another small critique. But all in all, a, a fun watch. You know what I mean? Well, it's also, the, also that like, you know, again, real person, but uh, and. I don't know if I was necessarily, I mean, I've seen, I've actually seen people be pretty critical of her performance though. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that person was supposed to be going for anyway. So I, I, I'm a little hesitant to critique it in a vacuum though. She's also like Venezuelan. Uh, so like at least Lady Gaga, like, you know, is an Italian and American. Um, I, I guess, I guess I shouldn't necessarily just criticize them for like casting non-Italians in those roles. Cause I don't know if Adam Driver is of Italian descent either. He's just like a, a really good actor, but it was just like, like you're saying, yeah, they got like a very recognizable, um, you know, like South American actress to like play that Italian part where it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it would have, who knows how it would have played differently if you just found like some other unknown Italian actress that could have, you know, uh, sunk their teeth into it. I don't know. It very much felt like, oh, there's Selma Hayek. I didn't really get much from her performance other than like, I'm Selma Hayek and I'm reading fortune cards. I'm so Hayek and I'm in a bathtub, you know, like, sure. Well, that's just my two cents. She was barely in the film. So I yeah, but know. like, but she shouldn't have barely been in. And if like, I, I yeah. thought, well, again, you know, uh, as, as, as you often, sometimes we often sometimes say in these podcasts, like, yeah, maybe this could be its own mini series or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I personally am fine with it being a film, especially like I don't mind a three hour film, but if you're going to have a three, two hour and 43 hour minute film, like, like show us how this like TV psychic actually, you know, is, is someone that could also facilitate a murder. And we get there, we, we just jump to it out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I guess I'm going to back up again and ask you about Jared Leto. Uh, you already made your feelings uh, very well known on that. Um, it's created a really uh, divisive reaction. I guess I wanted to like kind of say on it in that like, I don't know if I had quite the adverse reaction that you did to him or that a lot of people did. I think he probably did show up to be in a slightly different movie, but I think the director deserves some blame for that too. If to, to whatever extent that is a problem Mm -hmm. though, Jared Leto is like notoriously difficult to work with uh, on sets and stuff like that. So he knows Ridley Scott, who's doing a, a, just a delightful press tour. You know, when you're like 83 year old British guy, just doesn't give a shit. Uh, it's a fun quote. I just listened to him on Mark Marin earlier today. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it was it was just a, it was just a great old time. So I feel like he's the kind of guy that wouldn't take any shit if he didn't want to. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't, he could also just be like, screw it, whatever, let him do his thing. So I don't I, I don't necessarily want to push that, push that all on Jared Leto because like you know in theory someone maybe could have told him to make a different choice. But my second viewing was in like a not that crowded theater, but like it seemed like everyone got a kick out of him. And I'm like, I don't know. There's like some kind of line that I'm wondering, like, I don't know if he necessarily did a bad job of walking it per se, though at the same time, I don't know if the degree of difficulty is actually that high that I want to give him that much credit either. Like, so I think that's more my problem is that like, he almost got an Oscar nomination last year for that movie, the, 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 the little hours, or was it the, um, what what was it called? It was, it was the one with Denzel. And now I'm like, uh, forgetting what it was. Um, Um, yeah the the little things sorry uh rami malik gave the worst performance of that movie uh not jared leto but like it's just like a very weird creepy thing and he got a golden globe nomination not that the golden globe should count for anything he might have gotten a sag nomination too and everyone was like worried an oscar nomination is gonna happen and it didn't like but like awards voting bodies like kind of like him as and it's like you know and I, I doubt he gets that Dallas Buyers Club nomination now. Um, like we're in a different environment eight years later with how we talk about who gets to play those kind of roles. But as crazy as this guy is and whatever his reputation is, people like him. And 
my thing is that like I don't think we should give him that much credit for like putting on a shit ton of makeup and like doing a funny accent. Like I don't think it's super out of place in this movie. It, I might not have had as much of a negative reaction as you did, but at the same time, that didn't need to be Jared Leto. Is my big takeaway. Like you could just find some Italian dude that kind of looks like that and let him ham it up, and it's not any less of a movie. So I'm just gonna kind of be like more mad if he gets nominated for an Oscar than you, then maybe you even were at his performance is kind of where I'm at with it at this point. But I, I couldn't let that go unsaid because I feel like a lot of people are giving him a ton of credit and I don't think it's a bad performance, but I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's anything that like is like all that incredible. And I think there is a segment of people that thought it was incredible. And that's what I, that's what I wanted to say my piece on that. Yeah, that is interesting. Cause I really do feel like it's like, Oh, he's just playing a kooky guy. I don't know if that's Oscar worthy, you know? Um, yeah, I don't think it is, but I also don't think it's like, from what I've heard about the actual Paolo, it seems like they did research and that he might've actually been like that. But it's like, yeah. I just don't know if it was like, like you said, he's just doing Luigi Mario stuff. Yeah. Um, and now after hearing you talk, I feel like, I don't know if you've seen, I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know that the tiny steering wheel, like the little car with the steering wheel that won't fly off that like little Italian guy in the focus groups get. Oh yeah. 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 He looks like that guy. That guy could have played it. Yeah. yeah that, that guy would have been the perfect Paolo. Just yeah. Like, in there, just let him do his thing. It would have been like chef's kiss. That would have been my, my, uh, you know, first choice pick, I think. But yeah, that's a very good point to bring up. I think you should leave has like such like, I mean, I, I honestly don't know if I love the show as much as a lot of people do, but I, I, I like it's so easy to watch because of how short everything is. And it's really incredible, like the kind of guest stars they get just to drop in there. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Stephen Young play a guy that shits his pants. And, yeah. oh, and, and now there now he's an Oscar nominee or Bob Odenkirk. Uh, you know, yeah. same thing. It's it, it, it's um, just a uh, good job by uh, Tim Robinson of like getting people to come play with him. One other thing I wanted to mention about House of Gucci um, before we uh, before we wrap up is, you know, I actually had the thought that like, I was a little disappointed with the movie from a visual standpoint overall. I thought it was fun watching these people do stuff. But if you told me this is going to be a movie about like the Gucci family and fashion, it kind of felt like the movie had like a fairly drab color scheme. Was that something you thought about? Or were you like very into all the outfits and the looks? Because my thing was like, maybe maybe you don't blame, like, it's hard to blame them for like what the sky looks in Italy if they're trying to shoot in the winter in Italy, which it seems like they started in February in Italy. Maybe there's only so much they can do in that regard, but it all kind of looked the same color to me, the whole movie. And when I'm going to something like this, I'm like hoping to like, you know, kind of just be like, you know, knocked off my feet a little more with a lot of memorable looks and things like that. And I don't know if I necessarily got that. Like I thought Gaga had some like individual looks that looked really nice and some really cool outfits. And Adam Driver is like, looks pretty glorious wearing a robe at one point, but you know, overall, like whether it be the actual, just the the production design or the, the lighting at different times, I thought the whole movie just looked kind of like khaki. I don't know. What, what, what was your reaction? Yeah. I, mean, I also kind of noticed that there was some comments that I had about the color grading of the film because mm-hmm. um, at times it was very gray almost blue cast or it was like brown cast you know mm-hmm. orangey beigey thing that was kind of the color palette it would go between those two things and I do think like this is Gucci I want to feel color I want to feel the luxury don't know if I got that you know as as palatial um, as the uh, like a Gucci estate was the beginning, which kind of set the stage, and also that that big castle where they celebrated Al Pacino's birthday or Aldo's birthday, gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? But like, I want some pops. I want some little, you know, some color. It's Gucci, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I fully agree with you on, on that. Yeah, I mean, they had a couple of fashion shows, which felt, I mean, not necessarily oh, that. Not necessarily that important to the plot beyond one of the designers that Mauricio is talking to and one of them like giving him the putting planting the seed in his head that like a hey, Gucci's a little bit, you know, uh, yeah. old news now. Uh, beyond that, like it didn't it felt like, oh, we need to have some fashion shoots in here because it's a movie about Gucci kind of. And yeah. but like I mean, there were I, so I guess they wanted to like show some outfits, but like you know, even that, like, I mean, a couple of the ones I even remember seeing were just like, you know, people were in black and white or whatever. And it was, I mean, I guess runway rooms can kind of be dark, but like, I don't know. It didn't, you know, when I, when I just like think about certain movies that I really love, I, I, I can always kind of pick out a few shots in my head. They're going to stick with me. Um, not in, so we're not, I'm not even just talking about the color grading even necessarily. I just mean like, you know, that, that, that goes into what creates a shot. 
but just mm-hmm. how many actual shots are you going to remember from this movie beyond like, honestly, to be quite frank, like that first sex scene, because it was just so bonkers. Sure. But like, yeah. I don't know if there's many other like, oh, individual like moments I can just picture and visualize. The teacup tea scene when they're skiing. Sure. That's, I think those are the only two. Cause I'm yeah. trying to think about it. And that's, and, that, and that's because it's so white and she has such like that, um, incredible right. get up for this yeah so that 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 pops in a way that like few other moments in the movie do even though like she's pretty Im- impeccably dressed up until like things are going off the deep end for her at the end and i she's not dressing like so um like she's just like has all access to the gucci stores at all times and then yeah and that's just like one area where it's like even if this other stuff like from an editing storytelling standpoint was wasn't going to work for me that just seems like something that should have just been like a slam dunk for them to get right and i don't know if it, and would have been one more thing to hold on to in this movie that would have made it more visually pleasing uh, as a as a thing to revisit uh not that i won't you know get sucked into the parts of this movie if it ever come on again i don't not that i'm like the biggest cable watcher of stuff i'm more intentional with my time though than that typically but like i could see myself like being excited for certain scenes when they come up and stuff like that but like on the whole like you know it's not necessarily it's just that was just one area where it, it kind of failed that like you know gives me fewer things to hold on to in the movie i would say um, do you have any other thoughts on Adam Driver? I, 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 I that, that was the other thing I wanted to touch on. I think it is interesting in that, like, I think I, I feel like he's less going for it. No, he's, he's going for it by his standards, but he's, he's less broad than most of the other people in the movie. What did you really like about him? Because I was like, he's like the one guy we didn't really already touch on yet that I, that I was curious to like hear yeah. he had to say. Because like, I think he tried to go more subtle with the accent work. Yes. I mean, I think his accent was fine. Honestly, like, that was a comment that I was going to make in general is like, I, I wish they all tried less with the accents, to be honest. Like, I'm fine with a little bit of suspension of disbelief. I don't actually think Jeremy Irons tried that much. He sounded kind of British to me. He did sound kind of British. That yes. is an issue. But like, it's a movie, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's nothing more annoying, at least for me, than like a horrible accent. Mm. No, but I think Adam Driver did a very good job with it. I also just loved his quirky, subdued, yet intense performance as Maurizio. I mean, I like a tall, shy, awkward person. Like mm-hmm. him in the glasses, also big fan. Love the height difference between Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. Okay, one more oh. thing then. With respect to his shyness, I'm curious because the one thing I saw this with a group of my family and um, the day after Thanksgiving, it, it was me, my, uh, and basically me and like five or six women. And, um, and, the question they were all asking each other afterward, and I'm wondering if a lot of audiences are going to be asking this, and this goes to both of their performances, was like, do you think she really loved him? And, I, you know, it's an interesting takeaway to be the one, one thing someone's thinking about after a movie. But, like, I mean, given the way they kind of, like, you know, show these characters and portray them and, and how they're getting together, but where it goes, it, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing I think people might grab onto when they're watching the movie. What did you think? About, did, did you, like, kind of, like, buy that, like, little rom-com section of the movie in so much as you're like oh like she probably did love him even if she maybe had something else on her mind at the same time like and how much credit uh, do you give to each of them for that um i mean i think two things can be true at the same time mm-hmm. not to sound like a therapist <laughs> but i do think you know she probably was more excited about pursuing him because he is extremely wealthy but i also think she she very much loved him you know um and maybe she didn't we don't really know. Um, but I, a lot of this was a crime of passion. So there, there's gotta be some sort of strong feelings that get morphed into hate strong enough to kill somebody sure. to begin with. So I feel like there had to have been some sort of feeling there, you know, especially. Yeah, well, oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I, and I agree. I mean, part of that also might be like, again, then maybe not uh, setting it up well enough with respect to the other woman that comes into play later. And that could have, you know, driven some of it. But like you said, maybe she obviously had to feel something. Also the fact that she like marries him at the point at which she doesn't know that Aldo is going to bring them back into the fold. Uh, that says something too. And also I think it, Adam driver is so likable in that first part of the movie. So like, yeah, I, he's likable. And then like, you know, even if I don't, I don't totally like how they got him to the point where he was. And I don't know if they set that up well enough. I, I, I like that version that he's like of the guy that in theory doesn't want to be around the family. And uh, because of that, like, I think like he's so likable there that like you kind of get that like, oh yeah, the Gucci thing piques her interest. But I think she just kind of thinks maybe in her head, like, oh, maybe I've hit the jackpot because this guy is actually nice. 
And maybe like, maybe, maybe if the guy was a dick, you know, she might've just kind of like bided her time. Cause it wasn't like she was in a bad position. We're led to believe her family is comfortable enough. I, I, I just think it was cool because like, they obviously like those characters like really do go on a journey. And I think both Gaga and Adam driver, like do good jobs of playing those notes. Even if like, I just don't totally like, like how they got him to that point where he's like saying, I, 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 well, so what's that one exchange where she's like, I, I married something. He's like, no, you didn't. You married a Gucci. I, I don't remember what she calls him. Um, but like, that's kind of supposed to be the big, the big needle drop moment. And I, again, it's like, I, I see what you guys are going for here and you're trying to make a big statement. And I just don't know if it totally landed, but I do not blame Adam driver for that. So. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And it also made it hard to know who to root for, you know, the whole time. It's like, are we supposed to cheer when he gets shot? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not that crazy. Um, but it's kind of like they paint him as, you know, he's kind of being a dick. We don't see much of her snapping. So she goes from mm-hmm. crying outside of his door to being like, okay, who's going to shoot him in the face? Don't miss. You know, I don't yeah. know. So I, again, I think that was probably all on the editing floor is where we lost some of that magic. Yeah. Any other final thoughts, Kayla, that we haven't touched on? Uh, any points about the movie you want to make? Any other odds and ends you wanted to mention before we sign off? No odds and ends other than I'm really excited if Lady Gaga gets a nomination. Both Kristen Stewart and Lady Gaga will be in the same room at the same time, which I don't know if I'll be able to contain myself with that much joy. That's my wow. final. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I think like, let's just say like you put a gun to your head and someone made you pick back at best actress right now. It sounds like you might go with Gaga, even though like, you well, know, both, both, both of your girls had like interesting accent choices in their performance controversial i would pick chastain over both as much Ooh, as I want. interesting yeah that's so story. that's funny we've, we've we've actually kind of talked talked we're gonna end up maybe having talked about like three-fifths of that category um yeah, fair enough uh and like i i you know not a lot of people have talked about eyes of tammy face since like it, it kind of like came and went pretty fast i was glad we sure. talked about it i had a nice time talking about it but that'll be pretty uh impressive for her if she's able to like jump back into the discussion because that movie came out a little early for where this award season is going to peak because the Oscars aren't going to be quite as early as they were pre pandemic, but they're, they're moved up a little bit from where they were last year. And so it's like what March 25th or something like that. So at that point it'll have been, you know, six months or so since anyone really watched eyes of Tammy Faye. So uh, be yeah. very happy for Jessica Chastain if she uh, jumps back into the fold too. Um, but yeah, that's a, a shocking statement from you given uh, you're, you're, you're on the record infinity yeah. for Kristen Stewart and Lady Gaga here. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about House of Gucci. I would just say like, I'm glad I saw it. I certainly had fun. And I think Kayla was very, uh, hit the nail on the head when she saw it before I did. And she, uh, and she texted me and said, it's not good, but it's, uh, it's, a, I, you might've said it's not good, but it's amazing or something like that. Uh, which I think is, which, which I think is a good way to put a movie as uh, ridiculous as this, that hits those levels of absurdity for both better and worse. Kayla, before we get out of here, anything else you want to plug that you've been watching recently, you want to recommend to people as we're hitting the home stretch forward season here? I mean, I'm sure everybody's already seen this miniseries, but mm. Mayor of Easttown. Ooh, did you get did you get to it late or have you just been watching it now? I got to it. I got to it late and I mm. just finished it in like two days. Phenomenal. So for whatever reason, if you didn't see that, go watch it. HBO Max. Yeah, I guess you are about exactly no, that ended like end of May. So yeah, uh, you're about seven months late, but better late than never. And it won a it, it won a couple uh, Emmys. Uh, I think that that you know it's funny. It's where, where that category has gone at the Emmys. Like that's now like the major category at the end. Like that was the thing. It was like oh shit, is it gonna be? Is it gonna be this? Is it gonna be uh, Queen's Gambit? Or I think there was like one other big one that I'm like drawing a blank on right now in my head. But like that was like kind of the the big thing right there at the end. Like who was gonna win that Emmy? And uh, I guess uh, Mayor, she, Kate Winslet won the uh, won the best actress, but Queen's Gambit took home the prize um, of, of right there. So, but it was like very deserving that it even ended up there. Uh, was like very happy for her, very happy for uh, Evan Peters, who kind of gave a great performance on that show. And it, it, it's it's like set like you know, 25 minutes by where I'm from, I'm from in Philadelphia. So anyone from Philadelphia, like if you like want to see like a dark thing set in your area that actually also has some uh, lighter moments here or there, like it's a, it's a great recommendation by Kayla. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, the power of the dog. 
the new Jane Campion movie as of the time of recording this. Uh, it just came out like four days before. Went on a little bit of a Jane Campion education. I watched both In the Cut and um, the, the Piano for the first time. Before that, the only Jane Campion stuff I'd seen was Top of the Lake. Basically, most of those movies rule uh, or most of those things rule that I just listed. But Power of the Dog is like kind of incredible in that it uh, has been at Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, uh, Kirsten Dunst, who's finally going to get her first ever Oscar nomination. I'm hoping. Uh, and then it also has uh, Cody Smith McPhee. It is a movie. It's like, it's like so ambiguous. It feels like it's playing its cards very close to the vest. And then it like really like, but, it, but it's like so tense throughout. And then all of a sudden it like kind of pummels you. And at the end without actually like having a lot of like action per se at the end, but it's like, Oh my God, like this movie was actually about like some like pretty like moving stuff that like, a lot of it goes unsaid, but it still there's like these like revelations. It just kind of like really hits you like a ton of bricks at the end without, again, there being like any like real over the top scenes necessarily. And I know that's very vague the way I just described it, but I actually think it's kind of better to go in not having anyone necessarily tell you what it's about and like kind of having the movie reveal itself to you. It's like shot, it's shot in New Zealand, but it's set in Montana. But you kind of know, you can kind of tell it's not really like anything even i've never been to montana you can kind of tell they're kind of cheating there but like it looks incredible too so and if you have a chance to see it in a theater it would probably be awesome but it's a netflix movie so it's not really in theaters in too many places uh my friend holden is going to be joining for a podcast on it within the next week or two and he's lucky and got to see it in a theater and i think he's going to really sing the praises of watching it that way so if you have a chance to do so highly recommend watching the power of the dog and you know uh getting on the bandwagon of like at least getting kirsten dunst that oscar nomination she's like long overdue for um someone that uh kayla and i talked about last year that like should have probably had one from re-antoinette already uh you know very disappointing uh kayla uh before we get out of here anything you want to plug uh social media wise uh follow me on twitter kayla stetzel k-a-y-l-a-s-t-e-t-z-e-l there you go i'm sure kayla is going to be a fun follow as we you know hit the home stretch of award season here mm-hmm. uh as usual i'm josh jernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y on both twitter and letterbox podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com and twitter is at the rewind movie pod coming up next in the podcast i mentioned power of the dog i just had a, um, our friend daniel text me while we were like five minutes ago t- insisting on doing a podcast on mike mills come on come on which i saw yesterday uh, i think uh, so we, we might end up doing that whatever else kind of comes our way i'm hoping to do one on encanto and also on west side story so again like we're just so busy here we're going to keep doing them twice a week until we can finally just get through this award season i can go back to like you know having this feel like more like a hobby than a job but i am not going to complain too much because i'm very happy that we have all these movies where we had a dearth of them last year so as usual thank you to kayla for joining me thanks to all of you for listening and we'll see you next time